Welcome in to Revealing Grace. This is a podcast focused on the revelation of God's redeeming grace throughout all of Scripture and the power that it has to transform lives eternally. I'm Chris Sobeck, and in this podcast, we'll be joined once again by Dr. Brian Chappell, but also we'll be joined by the worship leader and music director at Grace Presbyterian Church, and that is Kevin King. Uh, During the podcast, we'll be discussing Christ-centered worship. Uh, That is a book that Brian wrote, but also just the general concept for how we structure our worship services and really thinking about why we, we choose to do what we do, why we choose the music that we do in the order that we do, and making sure that our focus is not just about manipulating emotions, but telling that gospel story through even the way we structure our music. Um, so Brian, myself, and Kevin actually see each other every Sunday uh, as part of the worship service, um, myself and Kevin being on the worship team, and then Brian, of course, giving the sermon. Uh, but we're in unique times right now, as I'm sure you know. And so as we've been ordered to shelter in place and stay at home, that has really changed kind of the way that we're able to do things. So this podcast is actually the first time that all of us had been able to talk together in a few weeks. And also, because of the fact that we all have to stay home, uh, we decided to do a Zoom call so that we could all see each other and talk. Now, if you're interested in seeing that, uh, it's the same content as this podcast, but if you want to to view this, you can actually visit Brian Chappell's YouTube page and also brianchappell.com to see this, um, this podcast and th- this Zoom call. So if that's something that interests you, please check that out. Um, we'll also discuss briefly uh, about the new Grace Worship album that we're, we're so excited that has just been released. And uh, as a whole, just excited to be able to connect again, talk about worship, and talk about how God reveals His grace, even in the way that we structure our worship services. You know, so I, I like to start out the podcast with a revealing question, which mm. I, I never tell Brian what the revealing question of the podcast is going to be, which I haven't this time either, nor you, Kevin. Um, so the revealing question of this podcast, if you could have any superpower, but could only use it for mundane tasks, oh. what would it be? So like you can't save the world, but you know, you can maybe use it to really effectively clean the house or something. So um, I, will, I will go first. To give my example. So I think for me, at least in this stage of life, I would choose uh, the ability to levitate uh, mm. because I have two very young children who, when they fall asleep, that's glorious, but you do not want to interrupt that. So to be able to move around the house without making any noise <laughs> uh, would be wonderful. So that, that, would be, that would be my superpower to do a mundane task. Who's next? It sounded like you just volunteered yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to just levitate. I want to fly. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dream bigger. Anywhere. Anywhere. High, low. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the places. Plus when you're doing the vacuuming. And <laughs> yeah, I would say fly. Uh, you know, to go fast anywhere. That would be great. Since I was a boy, I've always wanted to fly. And when I was, I remember being in like elementary school and being in a pool thinking, cause like you kind of float. I was like, maybe if I practice here, I can fly. <laughs> and so 
I've always wanted to fly, but now because everybody's saying fly, what I will say is telepathy because it would really be nice to just sit on the couch and move all the things that need to go in their places in their places and not have to get up, but the house just got put back together. And if I can make things float, then I can make myself float. I suppose that's fair. I think what we've established though is that we all would choose things that would allow us to be more lazy. I think yes. that's what we, we've established. <laughs> <laughs> Unless flying is a really like like running, you know, then that's a good I question. Like, I ugh, never you know, really tired of flying. Yeah, I don't know. I've never I don't think that's ever been explored. Yeah. So if you ever write some superhero movie or, or comic mm-hmm. book, that's something you can explore in the future. Okay. Well, that was our revealing question. I feel like we having, learned having so been deeply theological. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> clearly. Clearly. Okay. Well, you know, that's not the grace part of revealing grace, just the reveal. <laughs> um, you know, Brian, you wrote, you literally wrote the book about worship, that being a Christ-centered worship. Um, and that's really kind of um, been a guide for, for us at, at church and at grace and, and the worship service as a whole. So um, can you wait a second, Chris? Sorry. Oh, I, no. I, I did my phone, but I didn't do my iPad. <laughs> well, you know, it's all good. This, yeah, is, this is real. It's live. We're not faking this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, sure. No, it's okay. We, it's all, it's all part of it. All right. Talk it's about my book again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a tremendous so book. So great. It's really wonderful. I yeah. mean, truly every night I read from yeah. it. Um, <laughs> it's our family devotion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, what I was going to ask is, is kind of how, how was that developed? When was that developed? And, um, you know, what was kind of, what's kind of been the idea behind that as far as um, the idea of having Christ-centered worship? Well, as so many things um, that I've written, they kind of came out of a controversy that you're kind of saying, how do, you, how do you help people see and work with each other? So in the larger church culture, you know, since the 70s, we've been in the worship wars, you know, is it contemporary, traditional, or something in between? In our own denomination, there was a, a question about if we're starting new churches and they are expecting traditional churches to support them, do they have to have traditional music? And um, my... My goal was to help the larger church understand what traditional churches bring and what new churches bring and what different generations can bring and, and to try to talk from a biblical perspective rather than just from either a cultural perspective or a generational perspective and actually say what, what unites the church in worship, not just in our moment, but across all centuries and looking for those deep theological commonalities that help people work past their preferences. And that was a journey that took me places where other people have been. And like so many times, I don't, I don't think of myself as an original thinker. I think of myself as being able to kind of um, summarize what deeper thinkers are talking about. And I'm not the first one to say that historic worship follows a gospel arc, that it's not just wake people up, and uh, then stir up their emotions and then settle them down for the sermon. That, that kind of emotive rhythm that we typically think of in a worship service is not the church historic. The historic church has said, how do we even in the way that we do worship present the gospel to people? How does it follow the contours of the greatness of God, the necessity of God's grace for humanity, and then learning about it and rejoicing in it and going out in mission? There's a there's a path to worship that is more than just 
what I like or what you like or what our culture makes popular. And so trying to find that common thread so that people can talk about the witness of the church and not just my personal preference was my goal. And, and I found out I wasn't the first one to talk about that. I, I was just able to put it maybe in terms that, that people could understand and then utilize in their local setting. So Kevin, I know that that's something that um, you utilize or, or think about when uh, creating the worship, the music set uh, within the worship service. Um, when was the first time that you heard of that book or kind of how Brian has outlined uh, the biblical principles? Um, so I'm a bit of a mutt when it comes to um, my exposure to the church. I really was kind of brought up more nominally Catholic. And then when I became a Christian, when I was 16, kind of bounced around. And so I really didn't know much about denominations or doctrine or theology. And until really um, college, when I ended up going to a Presbyterian church um, and never had heard of Reformed theology and the pastor spoke on election, I was like, this is ridiculous. And so I spent years trying to kind of disprove it. I felt like C.S. Lewis trying to disprove Christianity and then becoming a Christian. Um, because by the time I then I went to grad school, I was kind of an unhappy reformer. Um, and, and then now I was getting interested in, in worship leading. But really, I would say from what I was learning from those on the platform before me or in front of me would be similar to what Brian kind of said was the model is you know, wake them up and stir them up and then settle them down. And so I thought you have to have your, your upbeat, really cool song and then your mid-tempo, you know, power ballad and then your sentimental, softer song that you hopefully get them to cry. And if you get them to cry, then, then Jesus was there. <laughs> and so um, that, that's kind of, I don't know, the culture I felt like I was introduced to in worship leading around that time in my life. Um, I knew there was something deeper and was exposed to other churches that really were more pastoral in their worship leading. So praise God for that. But I, because I'm a mutt, I didn't really know um, certain names or people. So I hadn't heard of Brian literally until the, um, the company that Grace had used to find my position contacted me and you know, kind of pitched the church. And I talked with a buddy of mine who is kind of raised in the PCA and knows everything goes, dude, that's Brian Chapel. You have to take this job. And I was like, okay. Um, and I was like, well, I guess I should read this book before I go there. Um, and so that's, that's really what it was. It's like, okay, well, I'm candidating for this job. I probably should read his book, especially if it's on worship. Um, and it was really super helpful because I felt like I was kind of uh, just giving it a good go. You know, um, I really wanted there to be theological depth. And, and I knew I wanted our theology to fuel our doxology. But I thought the means of that was more um, kind of emotional manipulation. Just pick really cool songs or just give the people moments. You know, a, a lot of um, conferences even came about and they just use the word experience a lot. And so you're really chasing this experience. Uh, and, and it was almost like uh, if you just relied on the Bible, like, well, that's lame or something, you know, so it, it was this freedom to go 
what is more powerful? What, what greater resource do we have than the gospel? So let the gospel fuel your worship leading. Um, and so really, I love that I don't feel like I'm now relying on kind of creative wit, um, but that my any creativity is just to, um, is, is more of like a joy, like an out, outflow of joy because the gospel is so beautiful. So let me be creative because the foundation is good, not let me make some fluff for you so that you had a good experience and time, and then maybe you'll talk with Jesus later. Uh, and so it really was pivotal for me um, in coming to Grace and kind of learning that model. And now I've been here for almost five years and then kind of growing in it and, and learning how to, um, I don't know, it, I, I could say a lot more, but I feel like I've talked a long time. That was the beginnings of it. I had never heard of it until I came to Grace. You know, Brian, I think that we could pull some quotes from that and put it like on your book. Like, yes. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, <laughs> uh, get... Please, a little less honesty, please. A little yeah. less honesty. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I think I, actually, I, I hope it's, <laughs> I kind of hope it's a good, I don't know, in, you know, in a, a funny way, a good thing that to me, my eyes were opened in a great way. And it was kind of like this answer I didn't know I was looking for. Like I had a question and I didn't know how to answer it. I couldn't even say, tell you what the question was. And it, it was, yeah, it was very, very helpful for me. Others, of course, of Chris have said those things. And yet it seems like almost every generation has to rediscover it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think what Kevin is saying would be my own echo. You know, I, you go through a church service because you go through a church service and whatever tradition you're in, you, you follow that tradition. Or if you're uh, non-traditional, then you try to do something that's more of an emotional development than it is a theological. But hardly anybody, um, I think, until key names, you know, like, like Robert Weber and um, uh, Scotty Smith and others began to kind of put together a, a sense of unifying worship theologically. I mean, that just wasn't in the conversation, I would say even 25 years ago. And um, Scotty Old, you know, he's the great scholar that has so put all of this together. Um, Robert Weber was the one who kind of touched the, the timbre of a generation looking for an ancient rubric for a contemporary church um, I mean, there were other people. Tim Keller, of course, was putting this together in New York City. Um, Ron Mann, trying to help in Eastern Europe. Uh, there have been people who've just been significant voices. John Frame tried to defend it, uh, curiously, as a theologian. But um, I, what Kevin just said, I think, would be the experience of me, of him, of, of lots of people. We, we kind of do church without really knowing why and how. You know, to talk just briefly for me to talk a little bit about myself and my experience. So I, you know, growing up, son of a pastor, um, both my parents uh, were music education majors. So they both planned to teach music before my dad then went on to seminary. So I grew up in a house where music was hugely important. And then it was also hugely important in the church for me, um, but but did grow up in a very traditional sort of um just church style with the music and and doing hymns from the hymnal and uh, you know, piano organ. And, and as there, at least for me, the churches that I was at, as there was beginning a shift into more of what I guess what has been considered contemporary worship, modern worship um, that initially was very off-putting for me. Like it felt very strange. Um, 
and then ironically, I don't know, I, I then ended up like recording and touring and doing that very thing um, as it kind of became my thing. And, and then trying to mesh the two together has really been something that I've always desired and not just stylistically, but theologically too, you know, like how do we make sure that we are reverential and, and honoring God and not just having a good time or not just being super emotional. Um, so it's, it's been a, a unique experience for me too uh, with, I mean, I started doing music at Grace shortly before Kevin came. So we've kind of been somewhat on that same path together. Um, and, you know, with the background that I've had as well in like marketing and advertising, I very much know how to pull at heartstrings and like elicit certain emotions. And so it can be easy to want to, to fall into those tricks, you know, the tricks of the trade to, to try to elicit that response. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's the Holy spirit that, <laughs> that really should be uh, eliciting a response than, than some creative way that I've come up with um, constructing a worship set. So um, yeah. So good job, Brian. In, in <laughs> it has influenced many people, including Kevin and myself. So, well, I think um, that's also the difference, like, because just like you, Chris, I mean, I grew up on stage and I'm, I was first a performer before a worship leader and so yeah. you do, you learn things, tones of voice, postures, just ways that you can invite people. Um, but I think that's the difference between like an emotional manipulator who is just using their skill to gain a response than an emotional shepherd who is leading you to good substance. You know, C.S. Lewis will talk about if you, you know, you want to be a good writer and you're trying to give your protagonist um, you don't just say Bob was a nice guy. You show Bob being a nice guy and the reader will go, oh, Bob's a nice guy. And the reader concluding that on their own helps to kind of input that truth more in their heart. And so I feel that my job as the worship leader is more, let me show you the goodness of God and, so I, and let you conclude on your own, whatever it is that day, oh, God is my provider. Oh my gosh, God is my help, or he is my foundation, or he is kind to me. You know, whatever it is, I'm going to just tell you the gospel again through the lens that we are speaking about today through the word of God and, and let the congregant, you know, hopefully by the Holy Spirit come to their own good conclusion. But I think that's what's so wonderful about being a shepherd is you just point them to the good shepherd. You know, we're under shepherds rather than a manipulator who's going, did you see how many people raised their hands today? You know, it kind of frees you from that. And you just go, the Holy Spirit is the one who wills and works in us. So we're going to rest in that. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. relieving as a worship leader to know I, I, I can't do it and I shouldn't. I guess if we were to, to kind of briefly explain some of that arc, what is, what is kind of that gospel arc that we're showing on a Sunday morning? I'll just say, I mean, Kevin says that he's a mutt. It actually serves our church so well. What does he mean when he's a mutt? So what, he's somebody who has done a lot of his uh, adult church in contemporary churches, but he is graduate level, classically musically trained. He's got Roman Catholic background. He's got stage and musical experience that's pretty broad. So it really becomes great for our church if, if we're trying to bridge generations, bridge cultures. Um, you know, we translate in multiple languages on, on any given Sunday. We have people, people of different ethnicities, different backgrounds. We'd like for that to be a lot broader than it is, but we're trying. So I think in the Lord's providence, 
you know, Kevin has this, he calls it mutt background. We would say eclectic. <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> yes. yes. It's, it's a lot nicer. Yeah. Right. So he can borrow from these different experiences and traditions, but then what are we trying to put together? Always, always, always. The worship of God begins with God. So we begin glorifying God. That's where we start. And that has a natural, spiritual, supernatural response. If you have seen the greatness and the glory of God, you're immediately humbled. If God is that great, you say, what, what right do I have to be here? And that leads to some form of humility before God that is acknowledged. So whether it's a song or a prayer or, or a written confession, you, you are in confession before God. If God is so great, I've glorified him, then I recognize um, I need to confess that I'm not worthy of that. And then if the church is doing its job, that, that confession has to lead to some form of assurance of God's grace, that the, the one who is so great, part of his greatness is not, not just his standards, but, but the tenderness of his heart. And so you, you say, God is glorious. I'm not. And lest I fall into despair at that point, there is some expression of the goodness of God, which when the human heart receives that, you're moved to thanksgiving, to a desire for more instruction, so that you might then go out in further mission and witness to testify again of the greatness of God. So you're, you're in the cycle now of the goodness and the glory of God leading to my own humility before God, leading to the assurance of his grace, where my heart responds in thanksgiving, desires instruction that I can then go out in mission. And that's what we sometimes talk about is that gospel arc, the, the greatness of God, the humility of humanity, the assurance of grace, thanksgiving and instruction leading to more mission about the greatness of God. I really enjoy telling that story. I think if you would take any of those components out, I mean, the Lord has given us a great story, right? It's even well told and well crafted with wonderful parts. If you would take any of those out, you'd have a misconception of who the Lord is. Um, if, you know, if you take out confession... Mm -hmm then you would see no need for grace, right? If you took out grace, then you would just be stuck in your sin and, and be you know, kind of driving down a road of legalism. Um, if you took out the grandeur of God, then well, why, why must I confess? You know, there's, there's an importance to having each component somewhere within the service. And so I think first, just even in, in crafting a service, just making sure that I can help shepherd people through the heart postures um, that the Lord gives us. And that's tied to the story of the gospel. Um, then the second layer of that is what, what is the word of God that's being preached that day? What, what is the, how is, what's the gospel lens? So we, we definitely have a gospel arc, but then what's the lens that we're, we're telling that through, right? Because the gospel is throughout scripture, but you know, if you're speaking on rejoice always again, I say rejoice. Well, that's a different song set than um, David seeing Absalom killed, you know, um, or actually it could actually be a very good, <laughs> a great sermon together. Um, but you know, you know what I mean? There's, there's, uh, there's different moments or different songs. It, it, there's a wonderful moment when you get to sing Dear Refuge of My Weary Soul in a service, and that serves certain portions of the word really well someday. 
Um, and then there's other times when just to sing all hail the power of Jesus name. Um, it's just this grand release of the heart. So I think having the full story in there is so important, but then being sensitive to what is the gospel being told within the context of the word that day and how can I pick specific songs readings, scriptures, um, even just transitional sayings that would prepare the heart for that specific way we're kind of unveiling the gospel. And, and Chris, I like how Kevin was saying that. I think sometimes when we try to help people see the gospel arc, they think, oh, you've got to do it just this way every time, right? And we have to say, no, how do you express the glory of God? Well, Music is one way, could be a song, could be a hymn, could be a choral anthem, could be a solo. It could be a scripture reading. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are so many ways of telling the story. And so to say that we have a gospel arc would be almost like saying, if you're going to be explaining the gospel to people, what's the one way that you explain the gospel? And say, no, no, wait a second. There are many ways. Mm-hmm. What's the age of the person? What's the background of the person? What generation is this person? Um, are are they sad? Are they are they uh, lackadaisical? I mean, so you you tell the story where you need to enter, and then you consider what's the message that I have to say in its particularity out of the scripture. But as I'm as I'm sharing the gospel, not just sharing my emotions or even sharing what I think is right about worship. No, I'm saying if I'm witnessing the gospel to people. I've got about to think of who they are and where they are and stage of life they are and stage of heart they are and what are the cultural circumstances. And so I'm telling the story with, with almost infinite variation of elements. And if you're the mutt that Kevin is, being able to grab from so many different contexts and musical backgrounds, which again is not just Kevin's choice. It's saying, no, I'm explaining the gospel to people. So I've got to consider who they are and where they are. And that's, as we say, kind of changing us from I'm tradition locked to now I am gospel ministry bound. You know, that's what's holding me. I'm doing the gospel here. I'm explaining the gospel to people. And, and that is a, a much sweeter taskmaster than this is the way my church has always done it. Or this is the way the people over in this part of the church like it. Well, mm-hmm. that's not real. Neither is the point. The mm-hmm, point is, yeah. how do I express the gospel to people? Mm-hmm. And that really brings the breadth of your experience, the breadth of the tools of the worship of the church, and the sweetness of trying to minister to people out of the worship itself. Well, and the way you described it, that way you're not like chasing trends either. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it is truly seeking out what is going to best reach uh, and minister to your congregation while honoring that gospel message and presenting that gospel message. And I think it can be easy to assume that if you have say like a method or a framework that it will be very formulaic and the same every Sunday. But the truth is there are probably most of our congregation doesn't necessarily realize that we're, we're, following, I don't know, not even following a specific plan, but like, we're always thinking about that Mm -hmm. gospel arc. They just know that this has been a service that, you know, the Lord has been present and that his word is being presented through the sermon and through the music and it's all worked together. Um, Or they really will just be like, that was a good service, you know, (laughs) and not really thought about all those details. Um, And so I think it, it is important to recognize that it doesn't Having something as a guide doesn't mean that it's going to be super formulaic in the same way every time. 
Right. Or look the same way for our church versus if another church were to seek to follow that same plan. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, Kevin and I would both say our, our great zeal is not to say, look at this church, they do it right. Mm -hmm. If we were in your setting, we would be doing it differently Mm -hmm. because we would have different people, different backgrounds and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to say, how, how do we learn the people who are here and then minister to them? Now, Kevin knows my next phrase is going to be not just who is here, but who ought to be here. We've Mm -hmm. got to think of both, right? Rootedness and reach have to be happening at the same time if the church is fulfilling its mission to both shepherd, but also reach. So there are lots of, what am I saying, Kevin? There are lots of things that we consider even as, but but the touchstone is how are we sharing the gospel effectively? to, To pick up off of that, to share the gospel effectively you have to love your people. And if you, and you know, have to know your people. Yeah, you have to know them, right? I remember when I first came to Grace, there, you know, there, uh, it was a, a long-awaited search from what I've been told. And so many people had certain hopes or agendas that I would make kind of right off the bat. And they thought right when I would come would be the perfect chance to make the change. And I am very thankful that the Holy Spirit paused me to go, you know what, make make no changes or as little changes as possible for at least for the first six months and just date the church and get to know them. Cause just me being there is going to be a change. And um, it, it can be a challenge. And I think every person in ministry understands it is by the grace of God that we actually love the church warts and all because um, they are our family. And they're also the place probably of some of our greatest hurts. Um, but if, if we don't have, a God-given, you know, fuel and decision to love them. Uh, it's, I don't know, you should just stop. So Kevin, since, I mean, probably from just about day one that, that I first met you, something that we've talked about is at some point, it would be great to record an album. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like we've yeah. always talked about yeah. that. Um, and we have finally done that. Um, so, yes. and I know that, yes, which is super exciting. Um, so I know that uh, Brian, you and Kevin in, in some ways actually collaborated on the album. Um, I was a part of it too, in the sense that I uh, produced it and we, Kevin and I saw each other like every day for yeah. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> we closer than really got to know yeah. each Good other. Days. Yes. Yes. Um, so uh, why don't, I don't know who I asked first. I, I'm very curious to hear Brian's uh, side of the story of all this because I know Kevin's because I was there for most of it. But um, what was, how exactly did you approach working on an album? I know Kevin, you had written a number of songs, and I know Brian. Um, some people might, might not realize, like you've written various lyrics outside of this project. You had written uh, for other music too. So um, I don't know who wants to start, but kind of how did you guys start to begin that process or think about maybe working together on an album? It probably wasn't even thought of as being an album. I, yeah, I know. It just kind of happened. Yeah. So, Chris, it's nice to ask about, you know, our great plans for doing an album. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think we were just doing worship services, Kevin. Yeah. I, mean, I think we were just saying, all right, we both have skills. And, and, I mean, I'm delighted that you take what I – so, my background is not so muttish as yours. What's my yeah. background? <laughs> Traditional church, right? So, I was accustomed to writing – lyrics for hymns, right? So I'm used to that meter. I'm used to kind of that sound. And 
uh, when you came, I think maybe we did some of my Christmas stuff and I asked and, and you began to do that. And then at some point we said, well, hey, this is certainly not what a lot of our contemporary folk would like to hear. Can you, was Unlimited Grace the first thing or did you redo some of those other things first? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I, I feel like Unlimited Grace, no, Unlimited Grace was before I did Calvary's Anthem. Okay. Was it? I felt like we did Calvary's Anthem first. It doesn't ultimately matter. But, but I, I think know. the point is there was not a desire to do an album. There was a desire what Kevin just was expressing so well. I think there was a desire to love our people and help them to worship. I mean, I think we mm-hmm. were just putting our, our skills together in that. And so, you know, I do lyrics, but Kevin knows how to make them sing today. And, and I didn't. So, Brian, well, have you heard all the songs yet? Have I, Kevin? I, I think know. so. <laughs> I think have you, you heard have. the love. Have you heard the love I'm of s- God? Yeah. I don't know if he's. Have, have you heard the final version of that? I don't remember. No. Okay. no I heard I, as you and I were working through the lyrics. I heard. I heard okay. Rex. Oh, I think you'll really like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Look, that's Kev, that's funny. We have to keep saying Kevin is the musician. So when he's asked <laughs> me to help with with lyrics, I have to say you're going to have to give me a track. Because I cannot yeah. look on a page and fig- I mean I have to listen and and do that. So I mean you know we're talking sure. to two people here, but only one of which is skilled. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just different skills in different areas. That, yeah, that, that is fair. Um, yeah. So I know Brian. Actually, you came over. Um, we were working on Psalm of Thanksgiving. I think you came over to the studio, um, and I I never even got to ask you like what was your impression of that time when you were there? And the funny thing is Kevin thought that Brian, you and I were actually going like meeting or something or like, he, like no, yeah, I felt like I was in the, the way. Thing. So I was like, oh man, we're interrupting their meeting. Oh, I feel so bad. So I like, was like, well then I'm going to go get lunch for the players. So I left because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm out of place here. Uh, and you were just coming to be nice and I totally ditched you. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Brian, so well, I got to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, I don't, I don't remember any of that. I just remember he, being he, he somehow stumbled into the studio. Like, how did I get here? Yeah. yeah. No, That's I mean, so funny. I mean, it's not the first sound studio I've been in. It's the first sound studio, sound studio I've been in that was in the basement of somebody's house. Yeah, and, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I actually even, so I love seeing it because I, watch, I love watching you all collaborate. Hmm. I will tell you that when I watched the video version of the album, when uh, for the song that Kevin uh, did, lyrics as well as music to the the Christ be all. And I see all those people out of our church and the different Mm -hmm. faces and all collaborating. I mean, I I just, I mean, I wept first time I saw Mm -hmm. it. This is so beautiful. And, and I think when I saw you guys working together in your basement, Chris, um, I, I just, I just relish the notion of our people working together to serve mm-hmm. them. I mean, I mean, it's beautiful. I, so yeah. it's dark <laughs> in your basement, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it depends but, on where you're at. It, yeah. Cause I'm in the studio right. right now and it's not dark it's where I'm sitting. Right. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just depends on where you're at. But I, I don't know. I, I just, I just love the sense of our people working together for mm-hmm. the Lord's sake. So it was, it was cool. I think when we're thinking about what type of songs to put on an EP, um, you know, one, yes, we wanted to have songs that would work in our culture, but I think like Brian is saying, 
just even if you think broader than just our local body, um, many churches are in our situation where you have um, maybe a legacy church that wants to continue, right? They, they want to keep raising children in their church. They want to keep having families come. Um, but they also don't want to lose the sense of their own identity of who they are. And so I think we, we wanted to write songs like, by God's grace, we are having health in our worship, which can be one of the most divisive places in a church, especially a legacy church. And so God had been, has been given us such freedom and unity and health. Uh, and so we wanted to create content that would be a unifying agent for not just our congregation, but for others. And so I think that's why you see in the songs very clearly, hopefully, you should feel that rootedness and reach, even just in the songs. Um, you know, Unlimited Grace, Brian wrote the verse lyrics too, and it's just basically a modern hymn. And then I added kind of more of an anthemic chorus. Chris, you were awesome to produce really great, like fresh, but not... Um, they're fresh sounds, but they're not like offensive to certain demographics who might not appreciate it. Um, you know, we have the love of God, which is a redone hymn, but really in a story style type telling. Um, Calvary's Anthem is a real wonderful hodgepodge. You have an Appalachian melody. You have new hymnody from Brian in the verse lyrics. You have old hymnody of borrowing from nothing but the blood. You have a new bridge that I wrote. And you it was have- Valley of Kevin, I mean, the lyrics, I was rewriting lyrics out of Valley of Vision. Oh, and there you go. And so Puritan mm. Prayer. Um, and then uh, you have band-driven music. And then also to give a nod like to an orchestra within a pop genre song, it just says something, right? It, it, it says there's value in this um, to, to use even the, like the Appalachian melody or to use certain texts. It says there's value in this. And we are offering it in a way that hopefully people can receive it and and treasure Jesus through it. You know, our vision as a worship ministry is that we're a family of worshipers serving to unite the church to treasure Jesus through theologically rich and creatively beautiful art. And so all of the songs that we craft hopefully would serve that end, that they would serve to unite the church to treasure Jesus. We're close to having the full EP being released, Um, but with the two singles that we've released thus far, uh, what kind of has been your experience or how have you seen God working through this music um, since we've released it, Kevin? Or Brian, for that matter. I, I, I've been really humbled. Um, you know, I think as a worship leader, the temptation is, oh, I don't want to say always, everybody's different. But growing up as a performer and just being a kind of go-getter type personality, um, the temptation is, well, I just should go for my own fame or own glory or something. And I'm thankful that the Lord through the years, especially in my college and and graduate school years, just showed me the emptiness of that well. Um, And so truly my prayer for the release of this album has been, Lord, you know, open doors only that glorify you and are healthy for us to walk through and close doors that are unhealthy for us to walk through and, and, and let the songs minister to as many as you see good. And so I've been really humbled by the release because we've, I mean, I've, I've received 
emails from all over the world, um, from Singapore, from Germany, from Italy, Canada. Uh, I mean, then even two days ago from California and then in the States, which is also valuable. Um, but it's been, I guess I didn't expect such a, uh, global response, I guess. Um, really just loving the song and, and just to hear, uh, people, ask for the resources or just even say, oh my gosh, it's been on repeat all day. Or this song, I, I, I just last night, I got a text um, from a student who um, has just had some issues and this student um, you know, doesn't have the, a great relationship with the Lord at the moment and said, listen to the song. It was so helpful for him. And it humbles me because that is the hope. My, my hope would be that others would treasure Jesus because of the content that we're writing. And then other churches would be resourced to help their people treasure Jesus. And so the fact that the song um, has done that is an honor. I mean, I just feel like I, I don't know what more to ask for. <laughs> you know, it just is good. It's good to my soul. In case people have been listening and wondering like, what album are they talking about or, or who's the artist? Um, so it's Grace Worship is what uh, we have called ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then the first single was Christ Be All and the mm -hmm. second being Calvary's Anthem. There is more to come. Uh, maybe it'll be out, like I said, by the time we uh, release this podcast. But if you're looking for it, it's Grace Worship, Christ Be All. Mm -hmm. um, it looked like, uh, Brian, you were about to say something. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was realizing someone may be listening and wondering like, what are they talking about? So <laughs> I thought that would be good to share. Well, I just rejoice to hear uh, Kevin and you, Chris, talk about what I think were the values we would ho were hoping would be communicated and seem to have been. So uh, Kevin was talking about kind of some global wonderful things happening, but it also happened internal to the church too. So that when our leadership got together, before Kevin came, honestly, we thought worship was one of the most divisive, difficult issues in our church. And when we met together as leadership for a retreat at the turn of the year, it was interesting to have one of our elders say, I don't even think worship is an issue in our church anymore. Hmm. I go, well, that's not entirely true, but it's <laughs> yeah. not. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> wow, nice what that church is he going to? Yeah. <laughs> it's nice that he thinks that. That's good. <laughs> but it's nice that you think so. That's a yes. Yeah, right. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, but what Kevin said, can we find music that unites instead of divides, mm -hmm. that honors generations as well as reaches to new people? That's the goal. And it happens not so much just by the music, but when a church begins to embrace the theology of we mm -hmm. are not just here for ourselves, we're here for a savior. Yeah. And, and that means how can I humble my interests to his interests? And I think Kevin's music, serves that goal of having people say, even if it's not my preference, I see its purpose. I see its missional character. And there are other people, of course, that love it entirely. And they're able to say, but there might be a day that we'll sing something traditional or very hymnic from centuries ago. And I'm going to embrace that because that's ministering to other people too. So it's not just having people embrace the music. It's having them embrace the gospel ethic that mm -hmm. I think Kevin's music has, has really enabled us as a congregation to do. Uh, Kevin, uh, if someone is interested in this music, uh, where should they go? Um, the full EP will be available April 24th globally on all digital platforms. And so 
whatever digital platform that you might subscribe to or look for, whether it's iTunes or Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, whatever it would be, um, it'd be on, on any of those platforms. So if you're listening to the, to the podcast, say on Spotify, you can just hop on over and check no. out Grace Worship. On Spotify. It's yep. right there or, or Apple, you know, same thing. Um, well, thank you guys. Um, it, like I said, it, it's been fun being able to chat. And uh, I know in light of being in this shelter in place, I have heard uh, two little children um, that are probably, <laughs> I have a wife that's probably uh, seeking some assistance. So I probably should get going. Um, but, but thanks so much. And uh, for everyone who has listened and maybe watched, I don't know if, we're, if we let people see this, but uh, thank you for, for tuning in and, and hope it's been a blessing to you. And I uh, hope you uh, tune in next time for Revealing Grace. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Revealing Grace. Um, as was mentioned, this is really unique times, and so being able to use technology to be able to still connect uh, has been great. If you want to see, once again, uh, this podcast, you can visit brianchapel.com and you can see uh, our Zoom call and just uh, our, our chatting back and forth uh, if that's something that you would like. Uh, also, if you are interested in the um, EP that Grace Worship just released, um, you can check it out on all digital platforms. Uh, it's entitled Christ Be All. And we hope that you will join us again next time for Revealing Grace. Revealing Grace.